Welcome to Stocks to Watch. I'm your host, Michelle Martin. Uranium is seeing increasing interest with prices in the U.S. soaring past $80 per pound, well past pre-Fukushima disaster levels amid high demand and risks to supply chains with Western generators looking away from Russian nuclear fuel, for example. Global Atomic Corporation combines high-grade uranium development and cash-flowing zinc concentrate production. The Toronto-based company has a flagship mining operation in the Republic of Niger, which they say is the highest-grade uranium deposit in Africa. You can trade Global Atomic Corporation on the Toronto Exchange. Their ticker is GLO. Or you can find them over the counter on the OTCQX at GLATF. You can also find them on the Frankfurt Exchange as G. 12. So how is Global Atomic Corporation positioning itself for a future when uranium is expected to be crucial to low-carbon energy systems? Stephen Roman is president and CEO of Global Atomic Corporation. Stephen, thank you for joining me. My, my pleasure, Michelle. It's great to be here. With your focus on uranium, can you tell us a little bit about your read of the current market situation? What is your outlook for growth in terms of the uranium sector? Well, uh, Michelle, I'll tell you a little bit of history. Uh, I've been in the uranium business for a long time. Uh, my father started a company called Denison Mines, which is another Canadian uh, long-life uranium uh, company with an, uh, its operation up in Elliott Lake, Ontario. So I've, I've seen many cycles in the uranium business. Uh, but this cycle that we are in right now is very different because uh, the last big up, uh, uptick in uranium prices in 2007, 2008, uh, the price went to almost $140 a pound, so much higher than where we are right now. But it was sort of a, a typical way that uranium traded. You know, the, uh, the utilities would buy, then uh, people would stop exploring, uh, and then there would be a run-up. Uh, but this time... It seems that the entire world is now adopting nuclear as a bit of a salvation to uh, generate uh, low carbon uh, energy. Uh, renewable energies, uh, of course, are important, but uh, it does not provide base load power. So I think everybody now is convinced that nuclear is the way to go. And so there's been a huge uptick in demand uh, to build nuclear reactors. And of course, post Fukushima, nobody was doing any exploration for uranium. Uh, so there's now a, a big shortage of the material to power reactors, but the demand is, is there. So uh, we're seeing this uptick now up to over $80, as you mentioned, but uh, my feeling is it's gonna go much, much higher than that. Exciting. Tell us why your exploration has taken you to Niger and West Africa and why you've decided that is the area to develop your flagship uranium project. Well, you know, I did a lot of exploration in Canada. And of course, uh, I know the Canadian system. I worked in Saskatchewan. I worked in Ontario looking for uranium and developing uranium projects. But uh, in 2005, uh, Niger, which uh, was the fifth largest uranium producer uh, in the world at that time, uh, was opening its doors for new foreign investment. So uh, I said, hey, you know what? That's a great place to go and search for uranium. It's, it's underexplored. They have a big basin similar to Canada's Athabasca. 
And so I went over there and we spent uh, oh, 18 to 24 months looking through old records in the mines department and picking areas that we felt were prospective for exploration. So it was really a fact that the company was opening its doors for new foreign investment that attracted me there. And so I went there and uh, we, we signed agreements on six permits and began our exploration efforts in 2007. So uh, at the moment we have four deposits, but at the end of 2010, we discovered the DASA deposit, which is our flagship operation. And what has that climate of support meant for the company since you've uh, stepped into Niger? What has that enabled you to do? Well, really uh, the, the, uh, the country is very poor. Uh, uranium was its biggest uh, foreign exchange earner. So they realized that the uranium business is very important for, for national health, really, for, for generating revenue for the country. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the reasons why they, they wanted to attract new investment. Uh, previously, the French, of course, uh, who are still there operating the Somer mine, but they were operating two uranium mines and France was getting 30% of the uranium supply from Niger. Uh, but, you know, the government felt, listen, we, we want some, some new blood in the country. And we thought, uh, you know, let's get some Canadians in here to, to explore and potentially develop other uranium mines. So, you know, they were very supportive all along. I've lived through, uh, uh, a number of regimes there now, and uh, this is, uh, of course, the coup you might be talking about soon. I've, I've lived through two of those. So, uh, you know, always, though, the, the people that are in charge saying, listen, we want you to continue doing what you're doing and, and develop this project. And has the change in regime, we saw a switch in July this year. What challenges has that meant for Global Atomic Corporation, how are you dealing with the political change? Well, you know what, uh, the biggest issue for us has been logistics. So we, uh, we've we been mining there. So the project is currently under development. We've now uh, mined sufficiently uh, down our ramp that we are now at the ore zone. So we're going to just start now developing that ore body. Uh, but you need consumables on a daily basis. You need a lot of materials that uh, allow you to continue mining and building. And of course, with the coup, the first thing they did was close all the borders and the airspace. So that, uh, of course, required us to, to go on a temporary uh, pause and uh, try to find alternative trade routes, uh, which we have now developed through Togo and Burkina Faso into uh, Niger. So uh, that's been working well for us. We are now fully stocked again at the mine site. And we're also uh, speaking with Algeria about uh, having that as an alternative trade route right from the Mediterranean right down to our site. So there are there are now uh, logistic improvements. Of course, they've opened uh, the airspace again. Um, and of course, there's negotiations ongoing with ECOWAS and to open up the Benin and, and Nigeria borders as well. So that'll would come be, eventually. Would it be fair to say that, that the coup has led to thinking and strategizing around diversifying your supply chains? 
Definitely that. Yes, Michelle, I would agree with that. I think you have to have alternative supply chains. And uh, so that's what we've managed to establish now. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit about your DASA project. Lots of investors watch this channel. Why is it unique? Well, it's unique from a couple of uh, perspectives. Number one, it's uh, it's the first time that a uh, uranium deposit has been found in a graben structure in Niger. It is a sedimentary hosted deposit, like all of the timber soy basin are sedimentary rocks. But the graben is uh, is a down faulted structure, and um, it's also unique because in that down faulting, there was a, an impervious cap put onto that uh, area, the, the, the sedimentary unit that the uranium is found in. And it seemed to have acted a little bit like an oil trap. So the fluids that are coming from down below are, are percolating and they're, they're uh, impregnating these sandstones with uranium fluids and it just kept enriching itself over thousands of years. So uh, the way we found it is actually with a little leak of this fluid up to the surface and we were doing just surface prospecting and we came across this small leak, very small, let's say three feet around and you can imagine in the Sahara Desert finding a little spot like that. But that led us to start exploring that spot in that area. And we, of course, discovered this big deposit underneath that impervious cap. And so because it was enriching itself so much, it's now proven out to be uh, currently uh, the highest grade uranium deposit in Africa. Absolutely fantastic. A self-enriching deposit yes. area. Yeah. Um, incredible. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of, you know, this self-enriching um, cycle, I wonder if we could take a step back. A lot of, lot of investors are curious as to ESG and sustainability. Tell us about zinc recycling and what role that plays in the advancement of your uranium business. Well, you know, after Fukushima, um, of course, at that time when we made the discovery, we had JP Morgan, uh, Macquarie Bank, Investec invest in the company. And we were a private company. And the idea was this discovery would allow us to launch an IPO and go public and, uh, and really start generating some serious returns for shareholders. Then Fukushima happened in, in March of 2011. And of course, the, the entire market dried up. Um, we had that money on board from those uh, groups and that allowed us to really drill off a very large high-grade deposit, but eventually that money ran out and uh, there was no additional equity capital available for uranium projects. Um, the original investors, wanted to uh, sell all of their private companies. Of course, because we didn't do our IPO, they were stuck with our stock. However, in 2005, the same time I started Global Atomic, I started another company called SilverMet. And SilverMet was a, a zinc exploration company. And we happened to be in Turkey exploring for zinc, primary deposits. And when 2008 happened, the financial crisis, you can imagine all these different crises happening. 
we decided, well, you know what? We can't leave the country empty-handed. So we, we bought this shutdown plant on the Mediterranean in Iskenderun that had been used as a dump by steel mills. So they were dumping all of their waste there. And this was a plant with a kiln, uh, but it had gone bankrupt. So we cleaned it all up and we rehabbed that plant. We put it back into production. And since 2009, it's been making money. So it, this is a long story, but what it gets down to is that in two, 2017, we actually merged Silver Met with Global Atomic. So the cash flow from that operation allowed us to continue developing the DASA project to where it is now. <clears throat> so really from 2010 to 2023, that's 13 years that we've been working on this thing and keeping it together. And it's really in the last couple of years that the uranium markets turned around and allow us to, to move forward with the project. Now you were asking about ESG. So ESG factors very large in our company, uh, right from day one in Niger as well. Uh, we've been doing many, many things for the local population, including bringing in food during drought periods, medical supplies. We're drilling water wells for local communities, setting up systems like that. We have mentorship programs, training programs for local uh, young people. Um, in, in, of course, Turkey, we provide now a very valuable service to local steel mills because previously, as I mentioned, they used to just dump this waste. Now we are providing a value added service by treating all of that waste and producing a value added product, which is a high grade zinc uh, oxide concentrate. Glencore is our biggest customer. So we ship from our own port facility that we share with the steel mills and we ship to Europe uh, this, this zinc concentrate. So really it's a win-win situation. Uh, we cleaned up a big mess, we turned it into a profitable business and now we're servicing local steel mills. Absolutely fantastic. Can you talk a little about the health of that business currently? Yeah, well, uh, of course with zinc at $1.65 a pound, it was much healthier than at $1.15 a pound, but uh, no, it's 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 profitable. Uh, this past year, 2023, has been a difficult year for us because Turkey underwent two massive earthquakes, and they actually happened in our area. Now we were very blessed that that our plant was not damaged, but there was extensive damage to the north and the south of where we are, and uh, of course. Uh, that precluded us from running the steel a lot of steel plants were shut down so now things are getting back up running again and i believe 2024 is going to be a profitable year for our zinc business uh 2023 no it's going to be probably a flat or losing year for us and turkey central bank raising interest rates um, does that impact your refinancing in any way no, not really. I mean, Turkey, of course, is a hyperinflationary economy. So under IFRS uh, accounting rules, we have to account for it in a different way. Uh, but really, it, it hasn't affected us that much. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for giving us an inside view into Global Atomic Corporation. My guest today is Stephen Roman, who's president and CEO. Appreciate your time, Stephen. Michelle, it was great. Thank you very much. Thank you.